Well, it is so good to be together this morning. Have a seat. Uh, my name's Mike. I'm one of the pastors on the team, and it just is such an honor, such a joy uh, to be able to welcome you here today uh, to celebrate Easter together, to celebrate the resurrection. So many shiny, happy people wearing clothes specifically purchased for this day. Uh, so just great, great to be together. Go ahead and grab your notes out of your handout. If you'd like to follow along, that's how you can do that. And, and we want to start Easter 2015 with a question. And the question is this, how is it that a small group of fishermen, tax collectors, farmers, peasants, all of them, how is it that a group of 11 people could multiply as followers of Jesus Christ in such a way so that now one out of three people on planet Earth identify themselves as followers of Jesus Christ? How is that equation possible? And there's an answer, and the answer is resurrection. It's the resurrection that changed everything. Resurrection split history in two, B.C. and A.D. Resurrection impacted the course of human history. It literally changed everything. I don't know if you've thought about this, but, you know, Jesus, he, he never wrote a book. We, we don't have any evidence that Jesus ever wrote anything down on a scroll, and yet more books are written about Jesus Christ than any other topic in history. Jesus never made art. We don't know that he ever painted a picture. We don't know that he ever sculpted anything. And yet more art has been dedicated to the person of Jesus Christ than any other topic in history. Uh, as far as we know, Jesus never composed a song. He, he never taught a, a song. It wasn't a part of his motif. And yet more songs, more music has been dedicated to Jesus than any other, any other topic in history, bar none. You know, Jesus never, he, in his ministry, he never traveled for more than 100 miles from the place that he was born, and yet you can find followers of Jesus in every nook and cranny on planet Earth. And the reason that Christianity has spread in such a way, the reason why it's covered our globe the way that it has is because it's good news. It's really good news. It's great news. In fact, I don't know if you're familiar with this word gospel, Maybe you heard somebody uh, sharing the gospel. What does that mean? Well, gospel is simply the old English word that means good news. So that's what we're going to unpack a little bit in our time together this morning. I, I want you to understand that there is this unique thing that sets Jesus apart. And what sets Jesus apart is not the fact that he died on a cross, he did die on a cross horrifically. The crucifixion was a horrific way to die. But history tells us that thousands upon thousands of people were crucified on crosses during the height of the Roman Empire. Now, what sets Jesus apart is not the fact that he was an innocent man unjustly condemned. And he was innocent. He was unjustly condemned. But history tells us that thousands of men and women throughout the ages have been innocent and unjustly condemned. So that's not what sets Jesus apart. What sets Jesus apart is not that he was a martyr for his belief that God's love is available for everyone. 
Now, he did believe that, and he was a martyr, religiously speaking, but throughout history, there have been all kinds of martyrs for all kinds of causes and religious convictions, and certainly we see martyrdom continuing even to this day, people dying for the sake of Christ, even as recently as this week. So that's not what sets Jesus apart. Now, certainly, he did die on a cross, and he was an innocent man, and he was a religious martyr, but I want you to understand, what sets Jesus apart is the resurrection. That's what sets Jesus apart. That's, that's the, the, the good news, and that's ch what changed everything. So please, uh, take a look at this verse from 1 Peter 3.18. It says, Christ suffered for our sins once for all time. He never sinned, but he died for sinners to bring you safely home to God. He suffered physical death, but he was raised to life in the spirit. What this passage says is, yeah, Jesus suffered for sins. He, he was sinless, but he died in the place of sinners. That means he died for murderers and for rapists and for convicts. And he died for 49ers fans. And... <laughs> And for cat lovers and you 2 haters. And he died for those who appreciate country music. And he died, uh, uh, he died for those who dressed their dogs up on Halloween. Like, like he, he died for pastors and for teachers and for firemen. And he died for Microsofties and DigiPenners. And he died for moms and dads and singles and marrieds. And he died for you and he died for me. Why? Because we have all gone our own way. We have all turned our back on God. We've all decided, no, we know what's best. We've all done things that have been selfish, harmful to others, and harmful to ourselves. And so what the scripture says is he died for us. Why? To bring you safely home to God. Now, the implications, friends, of this are huge. If you're filling in the blanks, the first one, we can be forgiven. We can be forgiven. This is a promise. This is the offer of Almighty God to you and to me today. Romans 3.23 says, For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God, with undeserved kindness, declares that we are righteous. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. You see, that passage says that the penalty has been paid, right? The bill has been satisfied. His last words when he was on the cross are the words, it is finished. It's done. He accomplished what he came to accomplish, and that was to take care of our sin problem. We are now made right with God. And in fact, if you ever read in the Bible and you read the word righteous, you need to understand that word righteous simply means right with God. Look at this. He was handed over to die because of our sins, and he was raised to life why? To make us right with God. Yes, he died. But you see, he was raised to life, and now there is nothing distancing us 
from God. The resurrection seals the deal. That's why we join this morning, not just with millions of people around the planet, with billions of people, all of us standing and singing, proclaiming, lifting our hands, praying and worshiping God who has loved us this much, who offers us this forgiveness. And we're celebrating the life and the death, but especially the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's really, really good news. And so what we're going to do is we're going to try to get our arms around what is meant by this good news. What is it that the resurrection specifically brings that is gospel for us? And so again, if you're filling in the blanks, the first truth here, the resurrection means that Jesus is alive that Jesus is alive. And I want you to, to picture this, picture it from the disciples' point of view. They, they knew that Jesus had been arrested and that he had been falsely tried and that he had been put on a cross and crucified. The disciples knew that he had been laid in a tomb, wrapped up in cloth, that there was a, a stone rolled in front of the entrance of the tomb. The disciples knew all of this, but on Sunday morning, the disciples, right? It's not just that they, they went to the tomb and it was empty. That, that's true. It's not just that they were told he is risen. And that's true. They were told. But they met the risen Jesus. They spent time with the risen Jesus. They interacted with him, not just once, twice, but for many days in a row, right? Look, look at this passage of scripture. It says, I passed on to you what was most important and what had also been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins, just as the scripture said. He was buried. He was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scripture said. He was seen by Peter and then by the 12. After that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Then he was seen by James and later by all the apostles." Uh, what I want you to do is look at that passage and in the first line, circle the words, most important. This is what is most important. This is the heart of the deal. This is what becomes foundational for everything that comes next in this whole Christianity thing. It all starts with the fact that Jesus is alive. Look at this. God raised Jesus from the dead and we are all witnesses of this. We have all seen this. We've all experienced this. This is reality that God has raised Jesus from the dead. Yes, Jesus died on the cross. Yes, he was buried in the tomb. But Jesus is alive. Like my 10-year-old son says, not like zombie alive, dad. He's really alive. We're not talking walking dead stuff here, okay? And I want you to understand that the disciples are the ones who have this unique view. Because if you think about what happened next from their point of view, the disciples, they, they all spent the rest of their lives communicating a single message. And all of the disciples, every single one of them was martyred for their faith. They all died for this message. And, and, and what I want you to see is they didn't die for some esoteric belief that they held. They died because they knew that Jesus was alive. They had met the risen Jesus. They had had meals with the risen Jesus. They, they were learning from and discipled by the resurrected Jesus. So they all spent the rest of their days communicating the message, Jesus is alive. 
That's powerful, and it has some implications for our lives as well. And the first is, because Jesus is alive, it means I'm not alone. It means I'm not left alone in this world. I am not cut adrift in this life. That there is a God who's in my corner, that Jesus is with me and for me. And Jesus himself says this in Matthew 28, 20, be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. You are not left alone. You're to, to fight and to scrap and to claw your way through this life. And that's the great fear we have as humans, that, that somehow we've got to make it on our own, that the burden of this world is on our own shoulders. And Jesus is the one who comes close to us and says, no, no, listen, I have a nickname. And that nickname is Emmanuel. And that means that God is with you always. I am with you and I am for you. That's the first thing the resurrection means, that Jesus is alive and that he's with us. The second thing the resurrection means is that God loves us unconditionally. He loves us without condition. And I want to read a passage which is kind of famous. Uh, Many people know John 3, 16, but I want to add the next verse as well, verse 17. It says this, for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son, that's Jesus, So that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. Please underline that last phrase. Now, if you do some study on this passage, you will see that the word world in the Greek is the word cosmos. And what cosmos means is everybody and everything. In other words, God's love is enough to save the universe and you as an individual. He loves you without limit and without condition. And Jesus came to die for you. Jesus rose again for you so that Jesus can save you. And that kind of love, that's that's just a beautiful, powerful, it's hard to get your mind around that kind of love. And you might argue against it. You might say, well, Well, pastor, that might be true for this person, for this person, that might be true for you, but that's not true for me because I'm, I'm kind of a mess. You know, I got some things going on. Like I like to listen to rap music before it's edited for the radio. And, uh, I don't rinse before I recycle and uh, I work for Microsoft, but I prefer an iPad (laughs) and I refuse to own a Zune, you know, and, and, uh, you gotta love a Zune joke on Easter. Come on. But but all seriousness, some of you are like, but you know, I'm caught up in things that I wish I wasn't. And I'm I'm doing things I've tried to stop and I can't stop and I keep doing them. And I I hate that about me. And and you know what? Not only have I been doing this stuff, but I've been an advocate for stuff that I'm not proud of. And and I've even drawn other people into stuff that I'm ashamed of. And, And I want you to understand, Jesus knows everything about you. He knows how you've blown it. He knows how selfishly you've blown it. He knows how some of you have come to church this morning looking forward to the next time that you can blow it. And I want you to understand that his love is for you. 
It's unconditional for you. It's everlasting for you. Even if right now you are living in staunch opposition to God. Look what it says in the Bible. It says, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Right? And as you trust in Jesus, and as you trust in the resurrection of Jesus, you step into the unconditional love of God. And the unconditional love of God, it has a name. The name for it is grace. Grace. We make a big deal about grace at Overlake. Look what this verse says in Romans 5.20. God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. But as people sinned more and more, God's wonderful grace became more abundant. Please circle the phrase wonderful grace. See, understand that reality that as sin increased and increased, God's grace increased and increased. It's unconditional. It's wonderful. It's limitless grace. And it's all because of the resurrection. You need to know that it is impossible for you, excuse me, it's impossible for you to be outside of the range of God's love. You are always his target market, no matter what. Okay. And that's what the resurrection means. It means that Jesus is alive. It means that you are loved unconditionally. The next thing the resurrection means is that Jesus has overcome the world. Jesus has overcome the world. And we're going to take a look at, at this passage. This is what Jesus says to his disciples. He tells them, I've told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you'll have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. And when Jesus said that to his disciples, it was a Thursday. And I am certain that his disciples took an incredible amount of strength and courage and peace from what Jesus said. Take heart. I have overcome the world. And they're like, yes, that, that's wonderful. We take heart, you know. And that was Thursday. The next day is Friday, where he is arrested, he's falsely tried, and then he's put on a cross, and he's crucified and put into a tomb, and his disciples must have gathered together that night and said, you know that overcome the world thing? That must have been a figure of speech. That had to be an allegory, right? Like, like maybe what Jesus was really trying to say is, is I have lived in such a way, I've lived such a holy and, and, and uh, loving life that, that I have risen above my circumstances. That's what overcoming the world looks like. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a figure of speech. It's an analogy. Maybe it was such a beautiful way that Jesus loved, how even, he even forgave his enemies. Even on the cross, he said, Father, forgive these guys who are crucifying me. They don't even know what they're doing. That's so beautiful. Maybe that's what overcome the world means. It was just this figure of speech. It was just Because right now, what it looks like to us is that the world overcame him. It looks like uh, the world won Jesus zero. That's what it looks like to me. So it had to be a figure of speech. And they wrestled with that for Friday night and Saturday. And then Sunday morning came. And the tomb was empty. And Jesus was alive. And they were like, it wasn't a figure of speech. It's true. Jesus overcame the world. The tomb is empty. He is risen. That's the truth. The truth. The truth is on fire. That's for free. That's just for free. You can take that home. 
uh, the resurrection means Jesus is victorious. He's victorious over death, and he's victorious over sin, over Satan, over the demons, that Jesus has this incredible victory. He has overcome, and in him, we overcome as well. And that's the next fill-in. We share in Jesus' victory. Because of the resurrection, we share in his victory today. Look what the scripture says. Thank God. He gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. He gives us victory. See, he overcame. We can overcome as well. This is powerful for us. Because if you're a part of this faith movement, if you've placed your faith in the Jesus who overcomes, then you need to understand that we are a people of the resurrection. And so for some of you, you need to apply that in your life. You're looking at your marriage and you're thinking to yourself, this marriage is dead. But you're a person of the resurrection. And so in the resurrection, you see that there is nothing that's dead that can't rise again, be brought to life. No, no, because Christ overcomes, you can overcome. This can thrive. Some of you look at your career, you say, my career is over. It's dead. I have hit a brick wall. I want you to understand you're a person of the resurrection. Because Jesus overcame, you can overcome as well. There is a pathway ahead. There is flourishing. There, there is this prosperity, abundance for you. God wants that for you. Why? Because Jesus overcame, you can overcome as well. Some of you, by your choices, by your addictions, you say, my life is over. I have tanked it. There is no path forward for me. And I just want you to hear, no, no. Jesus overcame, and in him there is victory for you, even here, even now, right now, today. You see, I know too many stories. My buddy Oban, he's living four years clean and sober through the ministry of Overlake Christian Church. You know what? He was in bondage and in alcoholism. Now he is in freedom and in victory. He overcame. Why? Because Jesus overcomes. And I want you to understand, this happens all over the place. I'm thinking of my friends Shay and Leah, and how they just adopted a beautiful one-year-old baby. And, and what started out as heartbreak, what started out as destruction, what started out as death, they are now painting a picture of overcoming. They're painting a picture of victory today. I'm thinking of my friend Tracy, who was just baptized here last Sunday morning. And her story is that God healed her out of a cancer. And he brought friends and support and family around her. And she is living in victory. She's living in joy today, where there was only brokenness and isolation before. Friends, I know too many stories, thousands and thousands of stories of lives lived in spiritual friendship through things called life groups of people receiving support and care and encouragement week in and week out through something called Celebrate Recovery. I, I've just seen too many lives transformed by the power of Jesus working in our lives today. Why? Because Jesus overcomes, and in him, we can overcome as well. So I need a break. And I'd like you to listen to the words of this song because it illustrates what we're talking about.
presence fear is silent for you wear the victor's crown let your glory fill this temple let your power overflow by your grace i live and breathe to worship you
truth is on fire. Because of the resurrection Jesus has overcome, and in him, we overcome as well. And this last truth we're going to talk about is the fact that the resurrection means that Jesus defeated death, so we don't have to fear it anymore. Jesus has defeated death, and, and that's a fear you and I no longer have to, to carry. See, Scripture says this. Peter writes, for we did not follow cleverly devised stories when we told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in power. We were eyewitnesses of his majesty. What Peter's saying is, look, hey, we're not making up stories here. Uh, this isn't just someone has got together. We, we whiteboarded. This was like the best we could come up with. He's saying, we saw him. We're, we're eyewitnesses. We spent time with Jesus. It changed everything. And, and, and we just recognize that these are the things we fear as humans. We fear isolation. We fear death. And Peter's writing, look, you don't have to fear death anymore because we've seen Jesus defeat death. We've seen Jesus wrestle death to the ground. We've seen Jesus demand that death give up the keys to his kingdom. We don't have to fear death anymore. Here's a verse from the Apostle Paul. It says, when our dying bodies have been transformed, and that will happen, our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die. This scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? And because Jesus has defeated death, because of the resurrection, Jesus removed the sting. He's taken it away. And I, as I was prepping this part of the message, I want you to know that in my mind, were the thoughts of the funerals that I have done throughout the years. The places right by the graveside, those taken untimely. I was thinking about children that I've helped to bury. I was thinking about the, just the pain and the grief and the reality that death so often, it still rears its ugly head. And if there was no hope, beyond this life, then there is no hope indeed. But because of the resurrection, we don't have to be afraid of death. C.S. Lewis's famous author, he has written this saga called The Chronicles of Narnia. And it's this amazing saga. If you've never checked it out, I do recommend it. And, and at the end of, of all of his books, as he's wrapping up this final conclusion, the protagonists of his story are entering eternity. They're entering into Aslan's country forever and ever. And Lewis writes this, for us, this is the end. But for them, it was only the beginning of the real story. All their life in this world all their adventures in Narnia had only been the cover and the title page. Now at last, they were beginning chapter one of the great story which no one on earth has read, which goes on forever, in which each chapter is better than the one before. You can tell I'm excited about this point. And the point is this, that we can be excited for forever. We can be excited for eternity. We can be excited for heaven. And there's a lot to be excited about on Easter. It's not just an excitement and an abundance and a joy that's available in this lifetime, although it is available in this lifetime. 
But I want you to know that when this lifetime is over, heaven awaits. Eternity beckons. The best is yet to come. 1 Peter 1.4 says, we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. That inheritance is for you. It's for all of us who receive what Jesus offers, who receive what he is offering, extending to us today because of the resurrection. Now, as I conclude, I want you just to understand, that's a whole heap of good news that I've unloaded on you today. I have just fire-hosed you with good news this morning, all right? We call that a gospel saturation, okay? That you need to understand that the cross is empty and the grave is empty so that you don't have to be empty anymore. That you can live a life that's filled, filled with love from God, filled with joy as you live in this lifetime, filled with relationships that matter, filled with life purpose and meeting, filled with this incredible sense of hope and anticipation that the best is yet to come. That's all a reality of the good news of Jesus Christ offered to us in the resurrection. And I want you to understand that there is a cost to the gospel. There is a price to be paid for all of this good news. But Jesus paid it all. It is finished, right? There is no balloon payment due from you at some future date if you receive and believe that Jesus has taken all of this on himself, that he freely offers it to you today. See, I want you to understand the things that we've been talking about, they're beneficial for every life. Every life needs to realize that they're not alone, that God is with you and for you. Every life needs to understand that God loves you unconditionally. Every life needs to realize that because Jesus has overcome, they can overcome their circumstances. And every single life needs to realize that you don't have to be afraid of death because Jesus has defeated it. Every life. And so what I want to do is I want to extend an invitation to you today to receive what Jesus offers. And specifically, I'm asking you to place your trust in Jesus today. Jesus is the only one who died on the cross for your sins. Jesus is the only one who rose again from the grave. Jesus is the only one who offers this gift to you today. And it's Jesus who says this. Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. And so I invite you to place your faith in Jesus. And it's not just placing your faith in the person of Jesus, although that is a part of what I'm talking about, but specifically I'm talking about you trusting in the reality of the resurrection. You know what we haven't talked about today? We haven't talked about the fact that Jesus is a good teacher. He is a good teacher. I want you to understand the reason we haven't is because that's not the list that we're concerned with on Easter. That list is populated with a lot of great names. People have done a lot of great things. Think about Buddha. Buddha was a great teacher. He was able to bring peace and tranquility to a whole group of people as as he lived. That that was a good teacher. Confucius brought wisdom. He, He was a good teacher. He brought wisdom. People are still living in that vein today. Muhammad, he brought monotheism to the Arabian Peninsula. It's a good thing. There's some good stuff that happened there. Think about Gandhi. He was a good teacher. 
He brought nonviolent resistance, and that influenced a guy named Martin Luther King Jr., another good teacher. So I want you to understand that that's the list that we're talking about. If the list was good teachers, yeah, Jesus belongs on that list. But I want you to understand that's not the list we're concerned with today. The list that Jesus is on is a list of one, resurrected Savior. And so I'm asking you to place your trust and your faith in him today. You see, the scripture says this, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You know, we say it like this at Overlake. We say, this is a great opportunity for you to begin a relationship of love with Jesus that starts now and lasts for eternity. And so I want to encourage you, in just a moment, we're going to pray, and I would love for you, right in your seat, right in the quietness of your own heart, that you would simply place your trust in Jesus. Say, Jesus, I believe in you. Jesus, I believe you rose from the dead. And Jesus, I want to follow you the rest of my life. Now, maybe you're here today, and, and your heart's been stirred. And the things we've been talking about, they're intriguing to you and, and, and they're exciting to you potentially, but, but maybe you're not ready to step across that line of faith. Maybe you're thinking to yourself, I, Mike, I, I even want to believe. I, I just don't believe yet. So I want to challenge you to a couple of action steps just for you if that's where you are. The first is I want you to take this note sheet with all of the scripture. And I, and I would encourage you to take this. Don't recycle it. I know you want to recycle it. You're from Seattle. Everyone recycles. I, what I want you to do is I, I want you to keep this. And I would encourage you to look up these verses in your own Bible. And if you don't have a Bible, we'll get you one. We'd love to give that to you. But look these verses up in your own Bible and read some of the verses around these verses. And, and I want you to understand the reason why on Easter Sunday I put so many verses on this sheet is because I want you to know what we're talking about. It's not some singular truth tucked away in a corner of the Bible. This is what the whole Bible points to. And so I would encourage you, instead of leaning out if you're not ready to believe, I would encourage you to lean in and continue to explore and the second thing I would encourage you to do is keep coming to Overlake. We love you. This is a safe place to be on the journey. In fact, you need to understand you don't have to believe in order to belong here. You already belong. You're like, I don't know if I belong. I just can't. No, you belong. Come on. Let me give you a hug, okay? <laughs> you belong here. We love you. And so I would encourage you, just keep coming. Keep being on the journey. And what you'll find is that this is a family that as we journey together, we all are being transformed into people who love God, love people, and serve the world. That's what we're going after. Okay. So would you do me this favor? Close your eyes, bow your heads. Let me lead you in a prayer. And again, I want to pray for all of us today. For those of you who are already believers, this is an opportunity for you to reaffirm your faith in Jesus. And then for those of you maybe who, who have never taken this step, I want to give you this opportunity right now. And so what you would do is in, in your heart right now, you would simply say this, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. I believe that you rose again from the grave, and I want to follow you with my life. It's in your name I pray, amen.